Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, September 2nd. How's the extreme heat affecting students returning to school this week? More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County has officially moved into the CDC's low COVID-19 transmission level. At the low level, the CDC recommends staying up to date on COVID-19 vaccines and getting tested if you have symptoms. On Thursday, five more deaths from the virus were reported. More than 5,460 San Diegans have died from COVID-related causes since the start of the pandemic. Local health officials say we may have reached the peak with monkeypox cases early last month. There are now 290 cases in San Diego County. Infections are largely among men who have sex with men, but anyone can contract monkeypox. Vaccines are being given at local events and through local providers. Doses are being stretched with a method that delivers a smaller amount of vaccine, but still offers the same protection. San Diego County's public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten, says more vaccines from the state are expected next week. Infections are mainly spreading through sex, although general close skin-to-skin contact is another form of transmission. The 2022 Aztec football season kicks off tomorrow. Tomorrow's game against the University of Arizona will be the first official athletic event at SDSU's new Snapdragon Stadium. The game starts at 12.30 p.m. The Aztecs will play their seven home games at the new stadium this season. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Another flex alert has been called today. The state is asking residents to conserve electricity from 4 to 9 p.m. by setting thermostats to 78 degrees or higher and avoiding charging electric vehicles or using major appliances. Officials are warning that if not enough energy is conserved, there could be rolling blackouts if power demands start to outpace supplies. Governor Newsom also declared a state of emergency which allows to increase energy production and relax rules aimed at curbing air pollution. Temps in the upper 90s and triple digits are coinciding with the start of school for many students. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says at schools without proper air conditioning, that's a big problem. Rancho Bernardo High School and Bernardo Heights Middle School have been back in session for two weeks, but recently their school days have been shortened. That's because the school's outdated HVAC system hasn't been producing consistent air conditioning, and the classrooms have been heating up. Mark Sladak is a senior at the high school. I just know that everyone was complaining it, fanning themselves out with flashcards, and finding a way to step out of class and just get some, get some air. As a short-term fix, the district has spent about $500,000 on backup solutions and a two-month rental of a 600-ton chiller. Poway Unified expects all classroom AC units to be fully functioning by next week, with students returning to a normal school schedule. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. All San Diego Unified schools now have air conditioning, according to an email from the district. 
For years, nearly 170 mobile homes have been decaying at the old De Anza Point Mobile Home Park on Mission Bay. Sometime over the next few months, removal of the old trailers will begin. But as KPBS reporter John Carroll tells us, the long-term fate of the area is still up in the air. After some last-minute regulatory loose ends are tied up, the company that operates Campland at Mission Bay Park is expected to start the process of removing the old mobile homes. The plan is to turn the area into an extension of Campland for RVs and tent camping. But some environmentalists say much of the area should be returned to wetlands. Here's the Director of Conservation for the San Diego Audubon Society, Andrew Meyer. This is the exact right time for the city to be thinking about this because they are in their De Anza land use planning process and they have the power to say camping should stay, here's what we want it to look like, and it should be right here. The city is now in the process of deciding how much, if any, of the old mobile home park should be returned to wetlands. John Carroll, KPBS News. SDSU President Adela de la Torre shared a personal experience on Wednesday in a meeting with the Associated Students of San Diego State. While once again defending the school's handling of rape allegations made by a now 18-year-old woman against three members of last year's football team, she went on to say that the issue of sexual assault was something that she had personally experienced and that it's something that lives with her day to day. On the university's decision to abide by a request from San Diego police to hold off on investigating the incident, she said this. And I would not be honest with you if I said I would change it just because of the media trier storm. One always has to do the right thing. We asked De La Torre for further comment, but a university spokesperson said she was not scheduling media interviews at this time. The university is now conducting its own investigation. The city of Carlsbad voted earlier this week to spend $2 million on traffic safety after an increase in collisions involving bicycles and e-bikes. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us what's planned. More and more people are turning to bikes as a mode of transportation especially e-bikes. But this shift has also brought an increase in bicycle-involved collisions in Carlsbad. Collisions involving bikes and e-bikes have increased over 200 percent since 2019. And, as you know, we also experienced two tragic fatalities in August. That's Carlsbad City Manager Scott Chadwick, who requested $2 million for traffic safety and education. The council approved that and ratified a local emergency proclamation for bike and e-bike safety. The funds will be spent immediately on increased traffic enforcement, road striping and signage, and new safety and education programs. Since the emergency proclamation, the police department says they've issued about four times as many warnings and citations as in a typical week, most of them to drivers. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, we have some weekend arts events worth checking out. We'll have that story and more just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. India consistently produces about twice as many films as the U.S. American audiences are starting to embrace those films thanks to streaming services that carry hundreds of titles. Back in May, the film RRR was in the top 10 most-watched Netflix movies, and it's now the most-watched non-English language film on the streaming service. This has stirred industry talk that the film might draw some Oscar love next year. KPBS Cinema Junkie host Beth Accomando and Yazdi Pithavala co-host of the podcast Movie Wallace, discussed the success of RRR with KPBS's Andrew Bowen. Here's that interview. So RRR is India's most expensive movie to date, and it's one of its highest grossing. Beth, tell us what this film is about. All right, it's hard to condense it, but RRR is inspired by a pair of historical figures, but it delivers more fantasy than facts as it gives us this bromance between two men who seem to be fighting on opposite sides. One is a villager rebelling against his British colonizers, while the other is working for them. So it's a three-hour saga, which is typical for Indian films, and it features ridiculously gorgeous stars, crazy action set pieces, an evil empire, melodrama to swoon over, and of course, musical numbers like this one that are absolutely irresistible. And this one is kind of a dance-off. Not salsa, not flamenco, my brother. Do you know... And I actually watched this video yesterday. It is very, very catchy. I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> so, uh, Yazdi, although this is a musical and it's from India, it is not considered Bollywood. So why is that? So Indian cinema is frequently associated with Bollywood films, which are made in Hindi, the national language of the country. Bollywood refers to films made in studios in Bombay, which is now Mumbai. However, from the very beginning, India has had a rich history of local cinema made in other parts of the country. Most recently, films made in South India have been gaining national attention because some of those films are just better films, period. Films made in the regional South Indian language of Telugu are particularly on the rise and getting a lot of attention. And those films are called Tollywood films. And RRR is a great example of that. So Tollywood versus Bollywood, good to know. Beth, why do you think this film, RRR, has had such a great crossover success? Well, the filmmaker, S.S. Rajamuli, knows how to work the audience. He knows how to make everything feel epic in ways that play off of the kind of Bollywood traditions. And he mixes that in with kind of Indian mythology and delivers everything with kind of an affectionate wink to the audience, kind of saying that he knows this is over the top. He knows this is exaggerated, but he knows it's going to suck us in and make us like swoon and beg for more. So he He's dialing it up not just to 11, but to like a thousand. I mean, there's a torture scene where the guy breaks out into song, and then in the next scene is 
fine. So it's just relentlessly and joyously over the top. And it's really easy to get completely sucked in by it. And in the West, sometimes we call that camp. (laughs) Yazdi, can you explain or what do you make of this film's success? And do you think it represents the best of Indian cinema today? So there are many reasons for the film's success. Its two male leads are sons of ruling acting dynasties in South India. So having them both co-lead a large budget blockbuster epic such as this almost guarantees maximal attendance in local theaters. But what's interesting are the other reasons for the remarkably unexpected huge international following for this film. There are several reasons. This is maximalist cinema at its most maximal. There is no nuance here. There are no shades of gray. The bad guys are evil and extreme, and the good guys are downright gods. And there is something very elemental and primal about how this story is constructed. And there is an open-armed embrace of sentimentality that is uncommon in cinema these days. So I think both of these things speaks to the universal uptake for the film. And so in retrospect, this is not so much of a surprise. And add to that incredible action scenes and a soundtrack that's working really hard over time, all the time, through all of the three-hour running time. And you have, you know, something that is pretty, pretty remarkable. That was Yazdi Pethavala and Beth Akamandel speaking with KPBS's Andrew Bowen. And before you go, it's a long weekend for many of us. And if you want to infuse some arts into your weekend, we have some suggestions. Today and tomorrow is your last chance to see Ragtime at the Moonlight Amphitheater in Vista. The beloved and award-winning musical follows a black musician in Harlem a housewife in Westchester, and a Jewish immigrant in the U.S. in the early 20th century. The soundtrack is full of ragtime and jazz teen songs. We're listening to His Name Was Cole House Walker. performances starred at 8 p.m. Another production you can see this weekend is Fandango for Butterflies and Coyotes. The new play is set in a community Fandango, a celebration with storytelling, music, and dance that's common to Latin America immigrant communities. In the play, this particular Fandango is just before ice raids take over a city. The weekend's performances are today and tomorrow at 8 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Sunday at the La Jolla Playhouse. It runs through September 25th. You can find more details about the arts events mentioned and more at kpbs.org arts. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS senior producer Brooke Ruth and producer Emmeline Mohebi. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and enjoy the long weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday. <laughs>